Welcome to Growth Nostalgia. I'm your host, Yesenia, aka Yes. Um, thank you so much for listening. On today's episode, Erica Mo will be joining us. Um, I'm so excited to have this guest. She's a really close friend of mine who really inspires me. She's faced a lot of difficult moments in her life, yet she's out here shining and doing what she does best, being resilient. I think a lot of people can learn from her story and find a lot of inspiration from it. Before we jump in and start our interview with Erica, let's get into our first segment. So what's good? So something that's going good in my life at this moment, I'm actually going to be traveling for work. And so you all know that I've been struggling with my career and I've been really unfulfilled. But one of the perks about my job um, is that I get to travel. So during recruitment season, which is typically around um, September to November, we get to travel to different places. Um, Most of the places that we travel are in California, but luckily we also get to travel um, nationally. And so this year I get to go to Washington, D.C. and I get to go back to Chicago. Um, Um, I'm really excited. Anthony's actually going to be coming with me to D.C. I've never been to D.C. and it's obviously lots of history there. So much to see. Um, It's always so cool when you get to travel on someone else's dime. Um, So I just feel super blessed for that. Something that I wanted to touch on briefly because I posted a little bit about it um, this week on my actual Instagram for Growth Nostalgia is manifestation. Um, Through manifestation, I've been able to manifest a lot of things in my life that I never thought were possible or I thought that were just like out of my reach. And one of those things is living in LA and working at a university like USC and traveling for work, being able to to travel on someone else's dime. Manifestation isn't just something that just happens by just drawing pictures or thinking and believing something's going to happen. You have to work towards it. You have to make room in your life for that thing. You have to show trust in the universe and God. Sometimes at your lowest, um, you become open to things. And when I was at one of my lowest points, I became open to manifestation and just um, envisioning things and, and just trusting a higher power. If you're working towards something, some even something so small, you might think it has, you know, it doesn't matter. But if you're helping someone or if you're doing it because you feel like it's something that you need to do, you're really, you know, pushed to do that. That's something powerful and you should. And, and through that, you can manifest different things, you know. And like I said, traveling is something that I've manifested and I'm excited about what's to come, especially with this podcast. Um, I hope that I get to touch a lot of people's lives and sky's the limit. Um, something else that's going good in my life is that... Um, my mom actually went to Mexico for two weeks and they actually gave us some time uh, part that we needed um, and she came back and just had a different tone in her voice just like I really missed you like she was even texting me like love you so much and I'm like who are you lady like I didn't even you don't even know how to act at that point because when like Latino parents are being nice to you you're just like what do you want like what what did I do so it's so funny I'm like I don't know how to react to this but this is what I want so it was just good for her to go out to Mexico all her siblings got went out there as well there's 10 of them 
so they all actually got together had a family re- reunion which I kind of sad I was I wasn't able to be a part of but it was really cool for um, her to go out there and just spend time with her siblings um let's just jump into what's not so good um mental health man mental health is something that I am such an advocate for especially like therapy and like that type of stuff I just feel like it's important not just to take care of our body bodies but it's important to take care of our minds um so I've been struggling with myself you know there's a lot of things I've talked about before there's a lot of things that we um learn as we grow up and it's so hard to change those things because they're very ingrained in us and I find myself getting super frustrated at myself for not being able to change behaviors that are just innate to me like saying little comments that are negative or mean without even realizing like I'm being mean until after I've said it um and so it's just something that is I don't I it's just difficult I find myself telling people like you're stupid or like you're an idiot or I say that about myself like even those little things it's just not a good thing I actually had a conversation with my parents um last weekend and they were talking about you know it's a cycle in our in our culture you know our our parents were taught away we were taught a, a certain way too but I what I'll say is it's so refreshing to talk about that type of stuff with my parents because they're aware of it too you know and they they want to be better as well I don't think that they realize that they have so much power and that they can change but I do know that they they recognize the fact that they were just taught this way and their parents ha- you know did the best that they could and they're doing the best that they could with us with my siblings and I another thing that's not so great is that my dad has a hernia he um, is waiting to have surgery and I just feel really bad for him because he's just a type of like he's just always like a busy person always trying to keep busy always working on the yard or working on this or like he just cannot sit still and he's also athletic he likes to play golf he likes to go on jogs he's always been a soccer player so I just feel bad for him because he's like literally can't do anything and he's just waiting to have a surgery um and it's been a minute and they're finally I think they're gonna um schedule his surgery so that kind of sucks but I will say that I'm so grateful that it's just that it's nothing more Uh, my dad in the past um was diagnosed with cancer and it was very very early stages and so he had a surgery he was fine but you know I'm just so thankful that like you know he's so on top of his health and that God has blessed him to where he's he's good like he's so resilient he he's a tough dude man like he takes care of his body I don't even know who taught him that I think that he's just always been like that um and that's something that he ingrained in us as well um some of my new goals for the for you know the next few weeks is just being more kind to myself and to others um another new goal is just to keep learning on GarageBand, which is what I um, record the podcast on. It's just there, you know, I'm at the basic level. I'm learning. I do everything on my own. Um, and it feels really rewarding to know that this is all me. But at the same time, it's like, I know there's like tricks here. I know that there's things that I can learn and do it, you know, and so I'm just going to kind of explore that and ask questions, see, you know, reach out to people that might know how to help me watch YouTube videos, educate myself. Um, so those are the new goals for the for the next few weeks. I haven't been on my fitness, my health and fitness. Um, so yeah, I need to get my life together. Um, I think um, I just need to do it. It's just something that I think I overthink. Um, so you know what? This week is it. And if I come back and I haven't done it, then y'all can shit on me because I need to get my life together. Let's jump into segment number two and meet Eric Mo. Damn. 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 So before we get into our conversation with Erica Mo, thanks for being here, Erica. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so hyped. I was like, <laughs> what? 
your story is just really important. And I think a lot of people would benefit from hearing about your story. But the reason why I really wanted Erica to come on is not only because she's a really close friend of mine, like, but because she's just so resilient. And I think Anthony's theme last last episode was about, you know, connection. Um, she also has a lot of connections, but I think her story is more so a story about somebody who's like been through a lot and who's just a resilient and determined person and who's just about being the biggest cheerleader to all the people around her. Like we all love her so so much. We I don't even know what we'd do without her. I'm choking up. So Woo, girl. I already know I'm gonna cry and I'm like prepared for this. I just And I'm cannot. not a bitch who does tears, so um, and anyway, she is just a fighter. She's a friend to a lot of us. She's a creative. She's a boss bitch. So uh, welcome, Erica. <laughs> me. Oh my gosh. So like, I was a little bit intimidated because like Amp's episode was so fucking dope. Like I was just like listening to it. Like yo, already like Amp is just inspiring to the people that he's around, and his story is like amazing as well. And I was like, how the fuck you can put me behind Amp? Like, how do I follow that? Your story is just as crazy as Amp's though. I mean, we all have a story to tell. We all have some shit to say. We all have gone through whatever we've gone through to get to where we are. And, you know, sharing that's important, honestly, because I think a lot of people don't understand. Like, you know, they they see you doing these things and making Mm -hmm. these moves and they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh. One of my big things is like, I really don't like when people say like, oh, you're so lucky. Mm. And I'm like, (laughs) it's not luck, though, yo. Like. All of us have these stories. You know, we've been through so much. We've worked so hard to get to where we are. And it's really important to share that, not in like a bragging way, but just to be like, yo, this is my path that I took to get here. And this is how I got here. And like, you can do so much with just like... People just don't see the background. Like they just see the shine. They just see you getting it, right? So I think that's why it's important to have these conversations. It's like, we're just normal people, normal people that are trying to kill it. So let's get this conversation started. Tell me a little bit about your childhood where you grew up so I grew up in the west side of San Bernardino like in the hood hood um yeah I grew up there I am the oldest of six siblings um our we were basically raised for the majority of our life by our mother um my father passed away when I was in my early teens um and yeah we just we grew up in in this area that was surrounded by just so much just like raw reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and to us, it was just our everyday, right? Mm-hmm. Like we didn't know, we didn't realize like, you know, you know, this is just like, this is like some nitty gritty shit. We were just like, yo, this is our life. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to be raised by a single mother and to see her like struggle and just do what she could with what she had. Mm-hmm. To me, that was the norm yeah. because I seen it from so many other people, from other people in our family, from just people we were around. So I didn't realize that it, it wasn't the norm, but then I would, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was when I got into middle school, I realized like we, we, our mom like hustled her ass off to get us out of the area we were in just to make sure that, you know, we can have a better future. We can Mm -hmm. do more. And she recognized that, you know, like we weren't going to be able to fully flourish with where we were. Um, And and also, too, like in retrospect, like that gave us this edge that we needed Mm -hmm. to just survive in life. Like, I feel like definitely where we came from and where we went through all those phases the core of it coming from the hood, just coming from like this, like very raw background, it gave us the edge and it gave us that the, strength. just like the strength we needed yeah. to get shit done to just like, it's that, like that tough love. Yes, it's like, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Like Tupac had it. I'm just saying. Um, but like, <laughs> you know, like you got a heart, but also too, like you can handle some shit. Like yeah. you, you, you can face raw realities. Whereas maybe that's not how everyone could see things. Cause you've seen like 
one side of like life and then you've seen a whole other side. So mm-hmm. we moved out of there. We went to Highland, which is like in the IE, like a little bit more of like, a, like an upgrade. You're like, Oh, I live in Highland. I got a pool. What the fuck? Like <laughs> fuck with me. Um, so we went there and, um, just kind of like progressing from there. Our mom continuously pushed to progress us as a family mm-hmm. to get us in a better place. Um, just because she's seen like, the outcome of people who kind of like stayed in Same that way. area. Yeah, yeah. And she just, she wanted better for us. You know, there were six of us. She was just trying to do good for all of us. I just think the, um, the intertwining of like coming from the West side into like where we are now, you mm-hmm. know, like it, it took hard work. It took resilience. It mm-hmm. took like backbone. It took just a lot of struggle. And I feel like a lot of people try to hide that struggle. They're like, mm-hmm. oh no, you know, like I didn't really go through struggle. I just, I just, you just see this beautiful picture on Instagram. No, like we fucking struggled to get the struggle. Exactly. Right? Yo, like there's a lot of beauty in it. Like Rose grew from concrete. Shout out to Tupac again. <laughs> like, I guess um, Tupac's uh, another theme in this story. That's a theme in my <laughs> life. Yo, talk a little bit about like your best childhood memory when you were a kid. So I have this really vivid memory and I think I shared it with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's from this moment when my mom had moved us into Highland. Mm -hmm. So she got this like sick ass house. We were living in Highland. We were like, you know, we was like a little bit hood rich and, um, uh, no, but my mom busted her ass to get us there. So like, you know, we deserve that shit. Mm -hmm. And we had a two story house, which is like a big thing. You come from like the hood and you're like, yo, I got a two story house. I don't know what you talk about. Um, we had a pool. My dad and my mom had separated at that point. Um, my dad came to visit us one time and, my dad, uh, he actually passed away from diabetes. So at the point when he came to visit us, he was he was pretty sick. Um, he was really pale. He was very thin. But it was a beautiful day. And I remember he came over. My mom was, they were like on good terms. And like my mom mm-hmm. started cooking for us. And they just had a really good connection where it didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was like any type of animosity. Like it was just like a cool ass moment. Like, mm-hmm. so we were all swimming and um, I remember jumping in the pool and I was like so hyped because I could jump off the roof of the house into the pool. And that was like a big thing because my brothers always did it. And then when I could finally do it, I was like, yo, fuck with me. <laughs> uh, and I remember like swimming, jumping off the roof, swimming and coming up on the shallow end. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like sunbathing, like directly in the sunlight. I came up out the water to him sunbathing and the sun was hitting him. And, like, this visual I just have of him is, Mm -hmm. like, one I will just, like, always carry with me. Like, (laughs) he looked like he was fucking glowing. Like, Mm -hmm. and, like, I look in and my mom is, like, cooking food. And, like, my brothers are not getting on my damn nerves. And my little sisters (laughs) are, like, playing chill. And, like, everything just kind of, like, made sense, you know? Like, it was just one of those moments in childhood where, like... Everything just this is, is good. Yeah, this, this is, is this, good life. this what they talk about. Yeah, that that honestly, that's one of my best childhood memories. Um, talk a little bit about what kind of student you were like in elementary. I was a good ass student in yeah. elementary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, like I was raised equal parts by like my nana and my mom. Mm-hmm. So my mom was very much always embedding into me, like you know, like school is first. Um, yeah, and also my Theo Pewey. So like my dad mm-hmm. dealt with his demons at points in my childhood, but my Theo Pewey was always there for me as a father figure. Mm-hmm. And he was so fucking smart. He was like the smartest person I knew. And he would never ever just let me ask him a question and give me the answer. He would always be like, "Well, we're gonna research." it let's look into it oh. and it would get to a point where i'd be like yo i ain't even gonna ask him right now because he don't make me do all this extra shit i can go ask someone else <laughs> but no like yeah yeah like i just need to an answer at this point he embedded um this very very strict and deep understanding of like 
education mm-hmm. and knowledge into me. And he would give me books. And he was the first person who really, really stressed creativity on me. Like, he was an artist. I remember I'd walked in one time and he was tattooing Felix the Cat, juggling three mice on his arm. And I was like, what <laughs> are you doing? On his own arm. Yeah. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I had this idea for a tattoo. I wanted to try it out. So I'm trying it on myself. And, and it was beautiful. <laughs> and it's funny because I saw him like two weeks ago. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do my whole arm over. And he was going to cover it. And I was like, no, like, it's sad. Like, that's like a memory for me, right? My Theopia was a huge influence on me as a student just from an early point. He was so smart. And I used to always think, like, I want to know things like that. He knew things that, like blew my mind. I'm like, how do you know that? He's like, yeah. me, how you could know this too? He, my Theopioe filled the void where my father was absent at times. Yeah. And I'll forever fucking love him for that. He was my dad's best friend. So yeah. he was, if anybody was going to fill that void or be that for me, it's it was him. Yeah. yeah. I was a good kid, a good student, all elementary school. Um, I love school. I craved knowledge. I craved information. I was really good up until high school, maybe sophomore year. And then okay. like things started happening. My father w- had passed away. Then I kind of just lost myself and I was like, uh, fuck school. Talk a little bit about what your relationship was like with your dad and also his impact on your life. Obviously, he's your dad. You're, he's going to have a huge impact. So tell us a little bit. So my dad did pass away when I was in my early teens. My dad was the softest and most like heartfelt person in my life. You know, he was a father. He he was the person who embedded my love for music in me. Mm-hmm. He would give me all the time like tapes, cassettes, just like random shit. He was always like, Mija, listen to this. Oh my God, you hear this song? He loved music so much. And he just was like he just had so much love in him he was Mm. as opposed my mom has love in her too but she shows love in a different way and my mom is a very like resilient strong like hard-ass woman whereas my dad you know (laughs) shout out mama what's up mama um and my dad was just a softer you know there's there's the yin and the yang and my dad was the soft version of that he was everything to me like I think our connection was so different than any connection I've had with anyone so losing that was such a huge part and impact of who I am today yeah. because I'm still dealing with that even, yeah. you know, like I, I can honestly say I, to this day have not fully dealt with that. He was just so much of who I was at that time and who I am today. Mm-hmm. He was the person who just like uplifted me all the time, like mm. gave me this sense of like, like you can fucking do anything mm. like, and just, and for the people around him. So that's I, like really interesting. It helps me understand you more. I think once people hear that or they understand, they're like, okay, it makes a little more yeah, sense. Like, yeah. um, my Theo that I had talked about earlier, when I saw him a few weeks ago, he told me, he's like, Mija, your dad had this gift for like making people feel like their best self and for connecting people and bringing people together of all types of people, all different like, like scenes. He's like, your dad always, girl, that's you. I was like, that was my brother too. That was my brother too. I feel like when, when I was at my brother's funeral, I was like taking in all these, these different things. And I was like, as much as my brother and I had our differences, we were very much our father. And, and I think that, yes, yes. And the impact that he had was that he loved hard. He loved authentically and he wanted other people to just be like, let's just fucking figure out a way to get past this shit. And like, let's like do what we can do to be our best. And yeah, let's thrive. Exactly. Even today, even in his absence, even in the fact that he's not here, he definitely plays a huge part in my mm-hmm. life. He is a driving force in my life. And he he just, I fill him with me all the mm-hmm. time. Like, it's beautiful, it's tragic, but like, he just, he does so much for me. His memory does so much mm-hmm. for me. His memory drives me to do the things that I do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of how I check myself is I check myself in thinking like, what would your dad do? Or like, mm-hmm. what would he say? I, I keep myself like in a very good, like loving place because I think about like, the fact that 
people always talk about his heart and mm-hmm. always talk about how much he loved. And I want to be that. I want to be a yes. reflection of that. This is where I root myself and where I ground myself. And that's yeah. why I do that. You got deeper than I even like, <laughs> I know you, but like, damn, girl. You I knew coming here today, I was like, fuck. Like, Women's Wave was what Women's Wave was. With we you and I, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a little different. different. So talk a little bit about what high school was like, you know, after losing your dad. So high school was interesting. You know, I went into high school and I was a pretty good student in the beginning. And then all this shit hit the fan, mm-hmm. and then I just kind of, like, lost myself. Yeah. I started, like, drinking. I started partying. I started getting into boys. I started, like, experimenting with drugs. I started, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. just doing all this extra shit to, like, numb this mm-hmm. pain that I had going yeah. on because... I was like, oh my God, I don't want to feel this. You and were so young, you didn't have the tools, mm-hmm. you didn't have the anything mm-hmm. to be able to help process what was happening. Yes. And also, like, even a normal adult doesn't have those tools or, like, doesn't have the understanding. So, mm-hmm. how does a child have that understanding, especially being the oldest? Yeah. You probably felt such a pressure. Definitely. And I also, too, I feel like I felt like my mom was trying to, to, to like, help all of us, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was still trying to deal with it myself. I couldn't really help anyone at that mm-hmm. point. So I was like, yo, my mom could help everyone else. My mom could help my brothers, my sisters, you know? My mom mm-hmm. can. My mom is, like, already doing the most she can do with what she has. Yeah. So, like, I don't want to add a burden to that mm-hmm. almost. So it's like, Even you know, though you were a child. Yeah. And, but and, you felt like. Yeah. So I'm going to be over here. And I'm going to try to figure it out for myself. But in the yeah. sense, like, I wasn't really figuring it out. I was no. just, like, numbing You were coping it, it yeah. yeah. You were coping mm-hmm. um, with it. I was That's just being a little fuck around, honestly. I was doing some fuck shit. But, you know, it is what it is because doing that fuck shit got me to understanding. And mm-hmm. I am a very, like, very hard truth person. And I learned the hardest <laughs> hardest <laughs> truths in my own self. So, like, I had to go through that shit to learn those hard truths. Yeah. And, like, yeah. So, high school was a little bit of a shit show for me. Um, yeah. I ended up dropping out. And I went to homeschool. And I thought I was like, oh, I could do homeschool. It's so great. Da, 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 da. No, it just, it just gave me a lot of freedom to do some more fuck shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But, it, but it did cultivate some of, like, my best friendships that I have to this day. Yes. I met my baby daddy then. You know, he gave me this beautiful little baby and girl we'll talk that about I that got. in a second. We'll talk about that in a second. I got my first pair of Osiris D3s, you oh know. <laughs> Talk a little bit about um, mental health during your teen and your in your young adult years. So I was like well out, and like I said, my mom was still trying to you know deal with her own grief, deal with the yeah. like our family, just everything. She had a lot on her plate, and for me, I was the one who was like, "Well, I got this. I'll figure it out for myself." Yeah. But as my mom, she was like, "No, you don't I have know. it figured out, you know." So um, and at the time too, my nana was very invested in the raising of me. Like I said, equal parts. I lived with my nana for part of my childhood, and then I lived with my mom too. My mom was the one who was like, "Maybe we should go see someone. Maybe we should go talk." to someone because I was really like just spiraling out of control. Mm-hmm. I was very angry and then I was yeah. very sad and I was and very angry. And she probably angsty. didn't know what to do. I think she was like, this bitch is in her room right now. She's trying to pierce her own chin. She's listening to fucking Limp Bizkit. <laughs> oh she got these Osiris D3s on. Like. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so my mom took me to see my first um, therapist. I think, no, no, no. At that time it was like counseling. We were going to counseling. And then like it progressed beyond then. Um, I had someone at one point like recommend that I try um, mood stabilizers and mm-hmm. then they were uh, doing antidepressants and Mm -hmm. like so I had been through that whole route of like trying all those things and what I came to find out later on as an adult was like yeah those those things were there but also too they were another form of numbing things Mm -hmm. like you know and it wasn't necessarily facing the problem Mm -hmm. it was more so just like 
quieting it. Like, yeah, oh, we're going like to dead band-aid. this. Yeah, we're going to dead this real quick, and then it's still going to be there. It's going to it's gonna manifest in But you're not going to be a while and out anymore. Exactly. Like, yeah. you're going to be cool for now, but, like, you know, it might fucking pop up later randomly. And that's what was happening. I found maybe, like, one person I really connected with in therapy that I was like, I could talk to this person. Yeah. And, like, I let a lot out, and they started giving me insight on myself. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay. This makes me want to delve deeper into this. That's what started opening up my eyes to like mental health awareness mm-hmm. and just like being open to therapy. Cause like you've talked about this before, like in yeah. the Latino community, it's almost seen as like a weakness. It's yeah. taboo. It's like, oh, like, your, oh, your daughter weak. goes to therapy. Like what the fuck? Like, like, she you're can't not, get her shit together yeah. by herself. You're Flip not her. doing, yes. Like, uh, uh, just beat the shit out of it. You know, like just, <laughs> you know, like get the chancla. Like it's deeper than that. Like, yeah, yeah you know, you, 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 you can discipline me, but also too, like I got some other shit going on that the yeah. chunk ain't gonna fix like even like as aware as we are about mental health like we don't even have the tools to be exactly. able to help pe- yeah. certain people it's like oh, i want to help you but you're gonna have to go seek professional help you yeah. know so i think you have to get to a point of like where you you recognize that you need help beyond like what mm-hmm. you can do and what you could say and just and be it's like okay. it's okay it's because okay. it's it's making them better in the end like with my yeah. kid too I was like we need something need other than help. what I can do yeah. I need some help here like and there's nothing wrong with seeking help it's for the fine. people that you love talk about what it was like when you learned that you were pregnant with the Hey, little Haley. Um, no, I really never wanted to be a parent. Like, I was just like, I, I was the oldest of six siblings. When I got pregnant, um, I was still with my high school sweetheart. Uh, yeah. And the moment that I realized that, like, I was like Haley's mom was the moment someone suggested to me, like, you need to have an abortion. And I was like, the fuck? Mm-hmm. Just the idea of it. Like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, it was my choice to have unprotected sex and get to this point where I became pregnant good good accountability there at a young age you know i might not i might not get all the shit right but i'll take accountability for the the stupid like just not the stupid shit but just the shit i do i'll take accountability for it i was still young i was still dealing with a lot um i kind of knew the person i was with wasn't gonna be like long term Mm -hmm. we had been together i think at that point five years we had a very young relationship and we grew with each other but also too like kind of like one of those relationships where like your homies are dating and then you kind of just by default like yeah you know like it's proximity infatuation Mm. become that becomes like a bigger thing so it became a full-on relationship um we were like okay I was pregnant my mom through all the shit we've been through my mom will always fucking have my back and in this instance she was like yo I'll hold it down um and I was trying to make this relationship work with my partner we were both kind of dealing with our own shit when I was about like six months in, I started having like all these issues with my pregnancy, like a ton of issues. They mm-hmm. weren't seeing movement with her. So I had like a tear in the embryotic embryotic sac. So I was on pregnant or on bed rest. I couldn't really move too much mm-hmm. up until like my eighth month. Um, and then Haley was born premature. So she mm-hmm. was born a month premature. They had me go in for an ultrasound. I went in and uh, they saw that her intestines were out of her stomach. So it's called gastroschisis. So they put me in for an emergency C-section mm-hmm. in that moment. And like, it's it just, my pregnancy was so traumatic and so mm-hmm. crazy. This mm-hmm. is like part of the reason I don't ever want to have kids again. I'm like, mm-hmm. first of all, my daughter done. is, yeah, I'm done. Like my daughter is fucking amazing. She yes, is like such a blessing. Perfect. Shout out to Haley. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's amazing. Motherhood wasn't something necessarily that was like natural for me. Yeah. I had to like learn it. Yeah. Haley is just 
my everything and my all. But beyond that, I, I'm also traumatized by the idea of pregnancy. Uh, she came out, they, they told me all these different things I should prepare myself with from mm-hmm. this, like this whole situation. They were like, you know, she could have birth defects. She could be born and she could be a stillborn. She could die within moments of birth. And so like, I'm trying to You're, deal with yeah. like all these things. That? Honestly, I don't fucking know. Like you just kind of go into shock. And I think one of the themes too with me is like, I'm just like, okay, you life throws you these things like these like heavy hitting shit like death fucking this trauma whatever it may be life throws you these things and for me these are the facts and I'm just gonna keep it going because it's you gotta just keep going you know you gotta keep the ball rolling you gotta just like Like time doesn't stop because it doesn't I might not process it in the best ways but like also too like you gotta still go you gotta still wake up the next day and it's still gonna be there and you still gotta work you still gotta make it happen uh Haley was born she was born with uh gastroschisis her intestines were out they gave me the emergency c-section she was born they took her automatically to Loma Linda she was there for like about a month up until Mm -hmm. they released her Mm -hmm. she was born with none of the defects that they told me she might have like she was fucking just perfect yeah she was perfect little girl with this like little sack of intestines hanging out of her everything in me was like she's gonna be fine all the odds like in reality like if you would have looked at it you'd have been like yo this is fucking scary i just always had this force that would tell me like yo it's gonna be okay so i feel like you have this thing that's like god universe fucking the people who you've lost and loved that are just there to have your back she went to la melinda um they did surgery on her normally the surgery surgery takes like a few weeks where they like lower in their intestine um but they did hers within like that first day she stayed there for a month she's fine i don't know (laughs) you you see her like she's fucking living her best life she's like popping off on ig all day every day eating hot cheetos she is amazing like she is a true testament to me life seems crazy and like you're just like how is this happening to me Mm -hmm. in the blink of an eye it's like that's a fucking miracle there was this pure like light you know being a mom isn't the easiest shit but like this light that's there and this like little child i needed that if y'all haven't met Haley, i feel sorry for y'all all right let's switch gears and let's talk a little bit about now Haley's childhood and what that was like i was getting thrown into being a brand new mom your relationship with your family i came out of it at that time i was on bed rest so i like gained mad weight i was like 230 pounds when i had my daughter and like four pounds of it was my child so it was just like i already was like fully invested in like this is what my path is is just like being her mom I knew for the long run, her dad and I weren't going to work out, you know, and, yeah. and we tried and we, yeah. we like, we put in the good fight. And I think at the end of the day, sometimes it comes down to like, you're just not meant to be, you're not compatible. Yeah. And now as individuals now, like we are fully thriving and fully who we were meant to be in our own capacity. Yeah, yeah. So, and Haley's dad and I have a very like just good. understanding and good relationship. Yeah. He's married now with his wife. They have a daughter. Her and I are close. Yeah. Her little girl is cool with me. Like, like she's our family. His wife is our family. He's our family. There's no hard feelings in, like, the fact that we weren't meant for each other. Mm-hmm. His wife coming into his life made him a better person and made mm-hmm. him a better father. Mm-hmm. And why would you not want to, yeah. like, build up and be cool with the woman who's, like, helping raise your child? Mm-hmm. She's going to be a, a part of her life forever. Shout out to Mickey. What's up, girl? Coming into being a new mom, I was just, like, shook. Like, yeah. I'm on my own. Yeah. I'm a single mom. I'm a new mom. Looking at this beautiful little little like child I had in front of me 
And I was like, oh my gosh, she just overcame all these odds and she's here and she's like beautiful. And I was shook, girl. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to ruin her. And, and and that's all I kept telling myself was Aww. you're going to ruin her because I was still dealing with my own shit. Yes. So, so a lot of me let my fear kind of take over. Mm-hmm. And, and then I started dealing with all these things like mm-hmm. in a weird toxic way. Shout out to my mom again. My mom stepped in and she helped me a lot, mm-hmm. like so much in the beginning. I didn't know how to be a mother right off yeah. that. You know, it wasn't something that came naturally to me. All these women are like, I love being pregnant and a motherhood is so natural. If it's not natural to you, girl, don't feel any type don't of shame. Don't have to act like, yeah. you, like it is. It's not natural to some of us and that's okay. <laughs> the ones who are saying like, oh my God, it was just, it was so perfect. It was so great. Like, bitch, your breasts are leaking all day every day your ankles are swollen you're carrying a child inside of you what the fuck is beautiful about that but you know what if it's beautiful for you that's your journey boo but for me it wasn't her dad finally got his shit together like a few years into her life um yeah we all kind of came together as a family Mm -hmm. and as much as I take pride in being a single mother and raising my daughter on my own I will without a doubt say like my family played a huge part in it. Mm-hmm. My mom, my sisters, my brothers, Haley's father, her stepmom, everybody, my nana, my ninas, mm-hmm. just so many people were a part of her life because mm-hmm. I was stressing so hard on yeah. like, you know, how do I do this on my own? But I did it on my own to an extent, but really, truly, I had help on this yeah. side too. Even my friends, her going into being like a young woman, like yeah. she has the baddest circle around her like <laughs> and like so many different women for her to look yeah. at and and she knows that she Haley, like stands all my friends so hard she's like oh my god i love them like and and because they build her up and they hype her up yeah. so much and she looks up to them yeah. you're looking at these people who you look up to and you think they're bad as fuck they are a part of her extended family too like yeah. they help to build me up to be better for her and they yeah. also help to build her up i couldn't have done those things on my own without the village to help me. Tell me a little bit about Mo Vintage. So Mo Vintage came about a friend of mine, Lydia. She was running this small shop in S on like, I think it was like Highland by Arrowview uh, Middle School. So this is like a like super IE little spot. (laughs) She was like printing signs out of it. And in that point, it was like the electro days. Like everybody was throwing like house Mm -hmm. parties. Uh, Like a majority of people were going to Lydia to make like their flyers and like Mm -hmm. signs. And uh, she started selling local streetwear through there. Yo, nine. And she was selling like (laughs) these brands that were very relevant to like the IESB kind of party scene. So um, I used to go kick it with her and I had always had a ton of vintage clothes, like a shitload of them all the time just because I like their shopping. And she was like, you know, do you ever think about selling them? And do you want to sell any of your stuff? I was like, no, I I never really like that. No, it's for me. Yeah, yeah, I was like, this is is mine. I'm just buying these clothes because I like them. Um, And then she's like, no, you should like, you want to sell in here? I'll give you a corner in the shop. And I was like, okay, yeah. And I was like, but what would I like call it? And at the time, like my MySpace name, shout out to MySpace. (laughs) He was on my top eight. What's up? At the time, my MySpace name was like Erica Mo. She was like, call it Mo Vintage. And I was like, Okay, even that was really, really easy. And I and wasn't even stuck. really trying to make it a thing. I was yeah. just like, mm, whatever. whatever, I'm going to sell these little clothes. I'm going to make a little side little side cash. She literally like cleared out this whole side. She put up a fucking rack. She gave me like a whole section and was like, Damn. do what you do. And I'm like, oh shit. All right, cool. Lydia is just this amazing, like peaceful, positive, just like she emits love. So um, I had already a bunch of stuff. And then I started digging more. And for yeah. me, like literally I'd walk in a thrift store and it, it became very problematic almost where I would walk in a thrift store and like all these bomb ass pieces would just be there for me. It would be like nobody else was there but me and I would just touch a rack and there'd be like everything. I was like manifesting all these things and 
I didn't even know what the fuck it was then. I, was, I didn't realize I was manifesting it. I was just like, I'm so, I'm so lucky. <laughs> you're being basic. I was being what, so you're basic. Being basic. I was being, you know what? You, you heard it here. Basic? You heard it here. <laughs> All these things would come to me. So then I started selling there. Um, I would do a bunch of pop-up shops at different little like electro scene kind of events. And then I started really getting into it, delving into it as like a creative, creative expression. I was like, oh, I can do photo shoots and mm. I could do lookbooks and I could sell. Etsy was like popping off then. Mm. And I was like, yo, I could sell on Etsy yeah. and I could make this like a more organized hustle than what it was. But then yeah. I'm like, no, nah. Lydia started throwing events and people were like really open and receptive to it. I think at that point I had got introduced to Richie and Nadine mm. and Richie does uh, De La Deso and mm-hmm. Nadine does Nadine does my hair. They're both fucking so talented yeah, and they're yeah. like a power force. So we were just doing all the... Everybody in the IE was just doing all these different like events and like yeah. fucking pop-ups and like low-key it was a means of me like being able to party and like make some money. But, but was I was like, fuck too. it, you know, yeah. it, it really was. It was it was flowing. And um, so then I started doing photo shoots. Mm-hmm. When I started doing photo shoots, I was able to collab with like photographers mm-hmm. and I really was like, oh, I don't really know who I'm going to ask to model, whatever, whatever. So it just became like my homegirl, one of my first people, I was at one of these IE parties, like this, like really like big one. Uh, one of these girls I grew up with in the West side, uh, Cassie. So like <laughs> I hadn't seen her little since. Cassie. Yeah. Lil Ca- you, you, if you know Mo Vintage, you know Cassie cause she is basically our face. Yeah. So Baxter and Cassie real quick, Cassie grew up in the West side with me. I've known her since she was like this little girl. She used to come to our family parties and she would come in and be like this little like nerdy girl with her glasses on, blonde, white as fuck. Like you just would not expect from Cassie who Cassie was when she opened up. She would come in and she would fucking kill it on the dance floor. So I saw Cassie. She walks in and she's like grown. I think at that point she's in high school and she has like all the, she had like this sailor outfit on, like this sailor themed outfit. And I was like, bitch. So I was like, yo, you want to model for me? And she's like, yeah, like I'm down. Her and I think her friend Desi at that point, they were down. And then um, I just started meeting people, honestly. Yeah. like the, the And at that time, I didn't really have a set friend group. I was yeah. like, Lydia was my one friend. Yeah. And like I was being, I think I was like, uh, I had like my homegirl, Michelle, Ma. Yeah. We were both just like really embed- embedded in like this party scene. <laughs> you know, like at that point, that's the scene we're in. Yeah. So all these women started just like coming into my life. I started getting really close with Chanel. And then Chanel knew I needed models. And I was, she's like, oh, you know, I know this one girl. She's cute as fuck. She's mm-hmm. like, she did this one shoot. She shows me and she's like, her name's Yesenia. Okay. And we call her Lady. And she was like, <laughs> I think you should meet her. I think she'd be perfect. And I was like, who the fuck is this bitch? And then we met and um and you just like hit it off with yeah. everybody. This was, I think, when I first met Yessie, this was when I was doing my first raw show. So this was like yeah. um, a fashion show in LA. But also too, backtrack real quick. I had known Steph, yeah. um, the homegirl Steph. She was doing photography at um at all these electro parties too. And she was just fucking cute as fuck, always bubbly, just always yeah. like down. She connected me with the homegirl Angel, Angel. And then Angel came in too. And then um I remember Angel the first time she met me, she was like, I wasn't really sure what to expect and I was thrown off because I walked in and you had a lip ring. <laughs> Yo, Angel's so honest. She really is. I was like, bitch, why you gotta bring a bullshit? And then Misha too. So like I met Misha through like just Common Ground. So yeah. Common Ground was a huge part of Mo Vintage too yep. because Common Ground was the first place that really gave me a home. Yeah. They cons- Lisa and Noah embraced the yep. fuck out of what Mo Vintage was because yep. they realized that it was a community just like Common Ground was a yeah. community. And they and it was IE based. It was IE based, exactly. And like they really truly gave us a home. They yep. gave us the platform to like do the events that we did. They gave us just a place to come and like always set up whenever 
when we needed Mm -hmm. to and make the connections that we needed to make. Like I will always hold a very special place in my heart for for Noah and Lisa because I wouldn't know a lot of the people I've met through them. And I wouldn't have been able to build Mo Vintage in the way that I was was able to because of them. It was the foundation of a lot of things we built. So Mo Vintage was a a small side hustle that grew into like a bigger hustle that grew into like a community. Felicia's husband was my baby's dad's best friend in high school. And then when he started dating Felicia, um, her and I grew close to each other, but we didn't really connect on the level of like business until later on in the game after I had already met all you guys. It had started growing so much. It had started growing. I wanted to do more with like the photo shoots and with just everything. And I needed someone to just have my back. Felicia, just if you know her, you know she's very quiet. She, She doesn't speak much, but... She's a fucking creative powerhouse. I had talked to her and I was like, yo, I'm down to like, you know, kind of open this up to someone coming in and like being a part of this. She was like so down. So then Felicia came in and it kind of went from there. Like we started collabing more outside of like just IE. We started collaborating with like other people. Um, She is the yin to my yang in the sense of like, I'm the the people person and like I'm a little like creative all over the place. And you know how to speak to each other. So she's, yeah, she's a huge part of this as well. So Mo Vintage grew into this community and now when I look at it you know we're still doing things we do it very minimally very under the radar we do it as a creative outlet because we're both mothers um Felicia is a wife and a mother we both work so much so we need a creative outlet and something to do to like ground us and to keep us happy yeah so we both do do we still do Mo Vintage but also to Mo Vintage has became like our friendship it's the time like we don't always have the time to break away and be like oh we can be there with all the girls all the time but it's a time we set aside where like we're able to connect with you guys and we're able to like create and do things that like make because it makes us all happy you know it makes us happy to be able to be like some of the best memories around that time like and we aim to make it a good time we're like we're gonna have the right playlist we're gonna have some snacks on deck you know we fucking make you guys up and really truly like when i look back we're gonna have all these great memories you know we'll have all these times we went out and party yeah pictures (laughs) exactly it might not even produce value at the end of the day but like value comes in a lot of different forms talk a little bit about your your friendships my friendships are if you could see me i'm (laughs) glowing right now Um, I love my friends so damn much. Oh my God. Because my family, like the people you grew up with, that holds a a huge part of who you are Mm -hmm. and what you become in your heart. But your friendships are the people who see you outside of that and who choose to be a part of your life and who you choose to be a part of your life. And also too, I feel like your friends see a different side of you that you might not always show to your family or that like maybe your family's not even receptive to seeing. And my friends, I feel like push myself away from my family at a point in my life because mm-hmm. I was still dealing with all this shit and I was like nobody understands me I'm the only one I'm going the through the only one going through these things but luckily for me I had this whole like group of friends who just like embraced the fuck out yeah. of me and I really truly don't think I knew my potential and I knew my worth until like my late 20s maybe yeah. like when I really started meeting you guys and when I yeah. really started like connecting with you guys yeah. and when I really started like s- surrounding myself with the type of people I wanted to be and who yeah. who like built me up not even to be like them to be me yes. and to be comfortable with it honestly like I've I've like cut people out of my life who were trying to do things that were like weird to me formal vintage like mm-hmm. trying to trying to be involved in the wrong reasons mm-hmm. because it holds such a special dear place to my heart it is what created the community and the people and the family and the feeling that really feeds into who I am yeah yeah um, my friendships just they are so much of who I am yeah. like this sounds like kind of shitty um, but I have so much going on in my life 
life, like I don't really have a lot of time to like date because at the end of the day, if I have extra time, I'm going to either be with my kid or like my family or my friends. Yeah. And like, I don't really like make the time for that other shit. I go hang out with my homegirls and I'm going to fucking feel amazing. Chill. We're going to walk into this place and we're about to kill this dance floor. Yes. I don't know if y'all know, if y'all follow any of us on Instagram, we love a good dance floor. Let me I tell mean, you. I don't know if y'all been there when we pulled up and just <laughs> took over the dance floor. I don't know if y'all ever been present when um, Nice For What or UGK comes on because that's some whole it's other thing. It's a spiritual RIP experience. Let me just tell floor. you. RIP to everybody in there too because they looking at us like, mm, yeah, you wish you were in our crew. And then girls always try to dance with them. <laughs> but this is the thing. I love that. Okay, so like I love that girls are drawn to that because yeah. I feel like that's that shit. You know, the reason that we got to where we are as a crew is that we were open to each other. And I feel like there is something very, like, just, like, drawing of when you see a group of women who are... We're all so different. We all look so different. And everybody's really strong. Yes. And we have a very strong energy. And, like, you see that and you're just like, yo, that's fucking dope. Like, that's what it's all about is, like, connecting, just being cool. We're all there trying to have a good time. You want to come dance with us, boo, come dance with us. Let's switch (laughs) gears. Let's talk a little bit about dating. Dating doesn't really exist in my life. No. um, No. So... Like I said earlier. Past experiences. So past experiences, obviously, like my longest relationship ever was my baby's dad. But also, too, that was a very like new, very just like unexperienced dating. But yeah, so we we met when we were in high school and then like we went through our whole thing. And uh, coming out of it, I was like, okay, I know that I want other than what I have. And then um, I kind of really didn't date for a while. I think when Haley was a baby, I wasn't really like seriously dating. I was just kind of... Like I said, I was going through all this shit, so I was mm-hmm. I was out here a little bit, you know? I was doing a little bit of such shit. So, um, yeah, I wasn't, like, seriously dating. I was just, like, kind of having a good time. And then I think I went into my 20s, like, early 20s. And um, still then, I was just, like, you know, I was that was, like, when Mo Vintage was, like, really inundated, yeah. like, popping off. Like, so we were doing all these events, and we were just, like, you know, just, like, wilding. And Haley was a toddler at that point. I mean, like, I don't I think I've ever really envision like settling down and this is a conversation Yesenia and I have Mm -hmm. often there's women who like in their head they're like oh I want to be a wife and I see Mm -hmm. like wedding and those things to them are like their goals and they Mm -hmm. see that and they want that and for me by the way if Jamie's listening right now she's shaking her head because she's like bitch I told you that you want those things low-key but you're just holding yourself back I already know shout out you Jamie (laughs) maybe I do want them a little bit but what I really want is to be a bad bitch (laughs) Um, but no, so for me, like I've always been very like career and goal oriented and like, I just want to provide the best life for my kid. What I want in a man is I want someone who's going to be able to like be my backbone and to be able to like overdo the energy that I exude. And I feel like for most people in my life, I am like a very strong like person. Mm-hmm. So I need someone who's going to be above the I don't want to talk no shit. You won't talk some shit, though. But the reason why, the reasons why it hasn't worked out with these foos is because you ain't never met nobody who is as strong as you or stronger to be able to put up with, not even put up with, to be able to match at your energy. That's why. You need a strong man to be able to handle you. I mean, I'm... I've dated some great guys. I'm not going to say that the guys I dated were like completely... They're not. They good. they were good dudes. They it were. It just so mm-hmm. happens, in my opinion, they just weren't strong enough. But please continue. That 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 is what it comes down to. You know, I've dated like great guys like the in the last few years. You know, they're, they're amazing. And also too, they have 
helped me to realize what I need out of a relationship and out of a man, you know? My last relationship, I don't think I've ever had a man love me in that capacity and Mm -hmm. give me that much love and genuinely care about me. And that's something I had never had before. And, like, you know, I cannot... I I can't sit here and talk shit about that person because... Yeah, I can't knock that. Like, he genuinely loved me with all of his heart and soul, and I loved him as well. I just couldn't match it, and I couldn't be who he needed me to be for our relationship. Mm -hmm. And also, too, like... I needed to do more for myself. And, like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it sucks to say, like, if you can't match that energy that I need, like, I I don't want to just stick around and, like, hold you around and think it's going to work out. Like, I'm going to say, like, hey, this might not work and and we should probably part ways at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I really fully, really, truly, at the end of the day, feel like we're both thriving in our own lanes now mm-hmm. because of that. Like, yeah. you know, I might, I might not be a part of his life. We I, I've, I'm actually still really cool with like majority of my exes. Yeah. Um, this one in particular, not so much right now, but I think it's because maybe there's like residual feelings there. We never really talked or maybe there was no, not like full closure there, but truly I think it was at the end of the day that like, I recognize that we would thrive more as individuals than mm-hmm. together, but mm-hmm. this person genuinely like loved me with all her yeah. heart and soul. And like, and I appreciate that every day. He set the standard it. for the next person that comes into my life. Like, you got to love yeah. me harder than this person did. And this person loved me a lot. And he was a good guy, you know? And it definitely, I think, your relationships, and especially this last relationship, kind of set that bar, too, of, like, you not accepting certain things. In no fuck shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like, no. And so I definitely see you being a lot more selective. Mm-hmm. And meeting you before and seeing your evolution and in, in, in your relationships and just like your self-worth and your confidence that's been amazing to see um I mean I always like knew you were like I mean we all know you're a bad bitch but like I always knew you were like the best like you were an amazing woman but it's just like you needed to know that yeah. and so you know you got to go through stuff to figure that out but yeah I commend your ex boo for that let's talk a little bit about your careers um and working at different places that um, that are not so much like fashion based mm-hmm. talk a little bit about lotions and lace vocademy and porcelain designs um briefly and then let's go into talking about gucci Hey, I have kind of always just like been like hustler. Like, you know, I was a single parent. I had to always like work to provide for myself and my kid. And I just like, I don't know. I like making shit happen. I do. So like, um, I was going to school at one point. Um, and when I was going to school, I was like, I need like to get a side job too. You know, like I need a little part time and I needed something that was really close to the school I was going to at the time, which was Valley. Um, and there was an opening at Lotions and Lace, which is, if uh, some of you don't know, is an adult store. Um, it is cheaper than divorce per their logo. Uh, their slogan actually is cheaper than divorce. And, you know, they sell sex toys and lingerie and lubricants and all those great things. So I didn't even like really know what I was getting into. I was like, I can sell, you know, it's retail. It's literally right down the street from my school. So I was like, I'm gonna try it. You know, let's yeah. see. And, and at that point, like I was, I was like out here, I was having a good time and I was like, I can sell a dildo. So <laughs> I went into the interview and like, I ended up meeting this woman in there and talking to her and she was like buying a vibrator. And like, I wasn't even like a like employee at that point, but she was like so nervous and da-da-da. And I was like, girl, like, what are you nervous about? Like, you know, this is your body. Like, do you boo? Like, and then I was like, I could really do this. <laughs> and then, so I went in the interview with that confidence already. And like, I got hired, like, obviously yeah. I was able to meet people who like, I'm still in most jobs. 
friends I have, I meet people and yeah. I'm still close with them. Like this, yeah, I become friends with them. Yeah. yeah. Um, lotions and lace for me was a challenge in like every day there was people coming in and they were like distraught over like self-confidence issues, mm. relationship issues, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, it was like, oh, this is solvable by like this product, you know? Mm. And it wasn't like, I wasn't trying to sell them. Like it was like, no, like, oh, you're having this relationship issue because X, Y, Z things. Mm. And you know, maybe these little things will help to smooth that out and it'll help you guys mm. to then really get into the bigger picture. Like, yeah. you know, um, porcelains, that was cool because it was like a fashion um, institute. So they were yeah. teaching sewing. They were te- they yeah. were doing um, production and design. Yeah. Mm, I butted heads a lot with like the owner of it just because I think we were just two completely different people. But yeah. she was a businesswoman. She was a mother. She had built a business and was creating a nonprofit and creating a school. Yeah. And I was able to learn from her. I learned so much from her, you know, so much of like things I agreed with, maybe things I disagreed with. Mm-hmm. Um, the women who were teachers there, I learned so much from them. I, I got sewing classes. Haley got mm-hmm. to take sewing classes. Haley got to teach a craft class there. Mm-hmm. Mo Vintage got to be sold in their boutique, you know? So like, excuse me. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of opportunity in that. Um, and that's where I first really got my feet wet as a manager. Like I was able to like manage things there, you know, it's like, you know, it just made me realize like, you know, like I can make whatever the fuck I need to happen to happen, happen, like under whatever terms. So yeah, that was dope. Vocademy, um, that was a maker space and I'm super involved with like Coachella Valley art team through Sarah. So I was already like, Oh my God, they have a 3d printer and they have a laser cutter and they have like sewing classes and they have all these dope things. And I seen it. And I was like, you know, it's like working with kids, working at a school. I went there and I started working um, in their front desk, just doing like basic ass reception shit. Um, And within like a very short amount of time, they uh, promoted me into educational specialist. So as their educational specialist, I was dealing with their students. I was helping their students like figure out what classes worked best for them, Mm -hmm. um, what their career path was. And Mm -hmm. it's awesome because it was all creative based. But also too, I was working with their corporate clients. I was like just doing like a whole bunch of different shit because I was able to juggle so many different things. And even through there, I met amazing people. Like I was able to connect them with other people, you know? I just knew I wasn't necessarily living in like my purpose. I was just kind of doing how to get do to get by. Um, And in that, Felicia reached out to me. I I don't think I had spoke to Felicia in like a year. We hadn't done anything with Mo Vintage. We were literally just working at that point. And I was still going to school. And then Felicia reached out to me and she's like, yo, uh, would you be maybe interested in coming to Gucci? Mm -hmm. Because at the time, Gucci was hiring for their back of house, which is like their warehouse. Like you're working, you're working in their warehouse, but also too, you're working in like their like, um, kind of like customer service type mm-hmm. of stuff. And then I was like, all right, you know what? I'm down. So I applied and then I got an interview through applying. Um, and I met Efren the first time and Efren for anybody like at Gucci. Efren is just like amazing. He's just this like powerhouse of like a person and he's so inspiring. He's so fast paced, so moving. He was my mentor while I was at Gucci. Mm-hmm. And to this day, he's someone who I attribute a lot of my success to. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I'm fully successful yet, but the success I've had so far is a lot of it was through him because he pushed me so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I got the job there and I was like, yo, this is it. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. Like, I remember filling out the paperwork and I was like, the Gucci bees in the corner and like the, all the Gucci shit and like they fucking send you to New York for a few days and they like onboard you in this like very like luxurious type yeah. of way and I was like, this is it. I'm That's living the crazy. dream. Going you know? from Vocademy to being at Gucci, rappers rap about it. <laughs> and one of the things I feel like is a theme in my life too is like things happen and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, 
And that's just how it is. It's in extremes. Like I've, I tell yeah, you this all the time. Yeah, I operate in extremes. That. I applied. I got it. I went to New York for the couple of days. And even there, like the just the whole experience that they give you with Gucci U is just amazing. You're just like, like this company cares, and yeah. like you know, like it's 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 beautiful. It's amazing, yeah. especially for someone like me who like would doing mo vintage and doing any of the fashion shit that I did. A good amount of people know. Like I think I've talked about this on Women's Wave. Like my family wasn't really supportive of it. They didn't understand. You know, they're like, why don't you be a nurse? You'll make money doing that. You know, like it's just not practical. It's not practical, and they don't understand it. They're like, um, I don't really, I don't, I see especially you struggling. If people aren't creative themselves Mm -hmm. they don't they don't get that you're doing something it's an outlet and it's something that you enjoy Mm -hmm. and something good might come from it it's just it's hard to understand what if you you know like if you don't get it so yeah so for gucci that actually was like the first time ever just hearing that name like oh i work there part of my family was like oh (laughs) oh you working at that little store with that little luxurious brand with your little your little job (laughs) oh that's cute you making a little money (laughs) yes and then also too it would be like the downplay of like oh but you work in the warehouse and i'm like Talk about that. Talk mm-hmm. about how at Gucci, you know, you go into it, you know, you're like, this is a luxurious brand. You know, this is it. You were planning a lot of your, your future and have with this in mind that you're going to be at Gucci for a long time. Talk about how you weren't able to be 100% you. I started off in the warehouse. I was like learning all these different things, learning all these systems, learning. I've never worked in a warehouse, mm-hmm. you know, but also, too, I'm in there every day touching these like bags and this like ready to wear. And I'm literally... To other people, they're just, like, processing shit, and it's just, like, whatever. Whatever. It's just stuff. And I'm, like, touching these gowns, and I'm just, like, oh, my God. I'm looking at this beadwork. I'm looking at this, like, design work, and I'm, like... You're, like, captivated by Gucci's product. Exactly, because it's art. To me, it's art. And because you love fashion, and that's your... So, like, I think it was, like, very weird. I would talk to my brother. He's, like, uh, he works in a warehouse, and he's, like... I just sometimes I see these boxes and I'm just like, da da da. He's like, I'm thinking units. And I'm like, I think my problem is I look at these products and I'm seeing beyond that. And I, I literally would come into work at that point because there was like points in, in being there where like I was butting heads with like different people there. And like, you know, I don't really want to get into it, but I would come in and the way that I would find my, my like escape from that was I would come in, I would listen to Oprah's Soul Session. I love Oprah's Soul Session. Girl, you know, or, soul or I would listen to Small Doses. I love it. I, Those I are all know, of because we'd be texting about it. Yeah. But yes, or I would come in and I had this playlist of like, just these are like my bangers that like yeah. I need to get me through this shit. And I would just do what I had to do. I would touch this product and I would tell myself like, wherever you are right now, you're going to get to a different place. Like I would look at these clothes and I would be inspired and I would just be like trying to take in the beauty of what the situation yeah. was because the situation was kind of shitty at that point. I was like, I want to work in the store. Like yep. the store was very intimidating to me because like I didn't really know anyone there yep. and it was super fast paced. The store, you have to like fully be invested. You know, mm-hmm. you're like there. Like shout out to them. Shout out to everybody at Gucci. Y'all already know like there's a good group of you that you guys are like, those are my people. They're my family. Like I just had brunch with them before I came here. Like they kill it. Like, yeah. and they do it amidst all the politics and amidst all the other shit happening, they have families and they're Mm -hmm. like, they just have this whole other like thing happening outside of work, but they still show up and they show out and Mm -hmm. like, they're fucking badass. So like for me, once I got into the store, I was able to make connections with people there. And then like, I slowly was really starting to open up and be myself. I don't think I really truly was like the most of myself until like maybe like, six seven months in like I started forming friendships and then Mm -hmm. like it became this true bond because like every day we showed up was so fast-paced so and you have to form those things to get you through it otherwise Mm -hmm. you're gonna 
drown. You're going to drown. But even through all that, too, I felt like I still wasn't living my truth, you know? Once I finally got to be in the store and, like, actually be on the floor and not be in the back of the house. But also, too, I was like, this is, it still doesn't feel like me. And maybe, like, selling-wise, if I ever went that route, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it could have been more like me. But, like, at the end of the day, I'm a creative and I'm a people person and I need a little bit more than that. So I was just starting to feel really, like, bummed out. I think at that point, like, my brother had passed away. And I was really going through it. I was like, you know, I'm not living my truth. I'm not fully happy. And I was dealing with all this stuff of, like, just grieving. And I had to take a leave of apps, kind of like a mental break. There was a moment there where I was trying to work through it. And I was, like, dealing with all this shit. And um, I think I didn't really process my brother's passing. I think my brother's passing brought up parts of my father's passing that I hadn't really processed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I got to go to work to keep myself busy so that Mm -hmm. I can deal with it. You know, I was work, 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 and I was overworking myself. I wasn't really eating. I think I was just like in my own shit. And um, I had like a super hard, like anxiety attack at work. And I told my supervisor, I was like, just put me in an aisle and give me a task. Like I need to disconnect. And that's when I realized like you need to take time off. Came back and I was like, okay, I'm better. But then I realized like I was an autopilot. I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm here, but I'm not really here. I'm not really living my truth. And then this other little opportunity came up. And I seen it, and I was like, wait, what? This is here? So Dolls Kill has a warehouse in SB, San Bernardino, which is the IE, again. I never knew of this. Like, I think Amph had mentioned it briefly. And I, I didn't really pay attention to it. And then we had started talking about it, and then he was like, oh, yeah, like, they, their their thing is there. Like, um, you know, you should look into it or whatever. And I was like, mm, no, like, I'd, I was like, it's a warehouse. Yeah. And then, like, I was, like, looking at it, and I was like, oh, shit, it's, like, it's more. They have, like, office jobs there. Yeah. And then I seen, like, they wanted to do a uh, customer service type yeah. of thing. And I was like, oh, I don't really know. And then I read into it, and, like, the whole thing I love about Dolls Kill is, like, Dolls Kill really focuses on just, like, their community as far as, like, it's, like, their whole thing is, like, it's for the misfits. It's for the people who felt like maybe they necessarily didn't always have a place to fit in. But, like, fuck it. You don't fit in. That's because you're not meant to. Mm. And I was like, fuck, this is fucking dope. And, like, I had already known of the brand, you know? Like, I just wasn't really, like, that invested in it because I was just invested in my life here. Um, So then I started looking into it more, and I was like, oh, this is kind of fucking dope. And I was like, well, like, I wonder what they're offering and, like, what it is, you know? So I started looking into it a little more. Long story short, like, oh, and also side note, like, Amph is, like, one of my, like, low-key kind of mentors, too, because of, if you listen to his episode, last episode, he's done so much in just his realm and his industry, and he came from the IE, and, like, he doesn't necessarily, he did it in his own terms. He created mm-hmm. his own lane, mm-hmm. and that's kind of, like, a very similar thing of like kind of how I went about my life mm-hmm. and I always say Amph and Yessie are my parents like because when I go to LA I crash on their couch and like <laughs> I always turn to them for advice like they are they're low-key my parents so um so like and in like all this happening like I hit up Amph and I was like yo what do you think of this and like we, we yeah. talked about it you know we like would kind of text back and forth and he's like just do it just like you know go see see what's up like see what's yeah. up with it and Damn. so I was at work trying to focus on work but also too like low-key fed up because I was like this shit is happening too much. Like I was like, no, you know, like you, you run on autopilot for so long and you're just like, you know, you should be doing more. They offered me a better deal than I had at Gucci. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like, are you going to do this? You know, that's, that's, that's kind of scary. Um, but also too, for me, it's really important that the picture I paint for my future and for my daughter to look back on is that 
I wasn't afraid to take risks. And yeah, you have to be cautious as a parent, of course, because every move you make is going to affect your child. But also, too, I don't want her to look back and be like, my mom busted her ass at this job that, like, drained her and made her less of who she was. And, like... And it's going to devalue me as a parent to her because at yeah. the end of the day, her dad is a part of her life, but he's not physically here because he's in a different state. Yeah. So I have to be mentally and physically present for her. And I have to be someone of a sound mind to be like there for her. And, and set an example. Yes. And I feel like in, in the job I was in, I was just like not happy. Mm-hmm. I was drained. I was tired. So yeah, um, they sent me an offer. Like it's so crazy how yeah, quick it happened and how fast did. it happened. Yeah. So I, I took it. I think all the things I was repressing in myself at Gucci, I could use and utilize to help build a brand like Dolls. I want to take the things I know and the things I've been through and my passion and my love for this industry and give it to a brand that I know is going to utilize it in the best way possible. And I was not doing and have that, that where freedom. I was. Mm-hmm. You need that freedom to I be do. creative. Yeah. You know, like that's just part of your of who you are. Let's briefly touch on Coachella and Women's Wave. So Women's Wave, uh, Lisa started, Lisa had the idea to start a podcast, um, and she had ran it by me. She was like, um, I think we were in LA once. She's like, yo, I want to start this podcast, like Women's Empowerment. I want you to be a part of it. Um, you know, what do you think? Who do you think would be great for it? And uh, we were talking, and at that point, I had just got back from Desert Trip, um, and at Desert Trip, I had the opportunity to get really, really close with Vita and Ellie. Eleanor and Vita were both a part of Women's Wave, but I think that was one of like the pivotal moments of mine and Eleanor's friendship was mm-hmm. um, Desert Trip. Yeah. So she was like, who do you think should be a part of it? You know, what, do, what ideas do you have? So me and Lisa were sitting and talking. Eleanor and Vita were both there with me. We were at the event together. And the first person I said was you. I was like, Yesenia, <laughs> first of all, because Yesenia is Yesenia. Yesenia has this like just natural, like, knack for connecting with people and like delving very deep into them and she's like yeah you know what I agree and then I'm like have you met Eleanor and Vita and she's like oh no so then I introduced them and then they hit it off and then I think Ellie does this thing with people like when she meets them right off the bat they start having these like super intense like hardcore conversations when you talk to Eleanor it feels like you're the only two people in the room yes that that, that's why these dudes be falling in love with Ellie because she's just like having a friendly conversation and they're Uh like she's in love with me but really she's She's in love with me too then because nah she's just fully invested yeah in like life and in people she tries to be present she's so present oh my god she looks like a wolf like she's about to pounce because her eyes and her eyebrows and her like even she doesn't have ears like a wolf obviously but like her hair hair, like something about her just like hones in on you and you're like but yeah so then jamie um ended up coming in and jamie is someone that yesenia had known because jamie had done uh shit nobody told me and yesenia was a part of that yeah and um so jamie was like someone that came on as a guest first right and then, like, when we were trying to figure out where we were going to go, it was like, yo, we should ask Jamie because, like, yeah, because yeah. Jamie just, like, is so insightful yeah. and so, ugh, I don't She'd even know. She'd be on some shit sometimes. I'm like, I don't even know if I could talk to you because you're so deep. Like, I yes. think I'm deep. I'm like, bitch, you're deep. Like, you in it. Uh-huh. I've told her that, too. I'm like, sometimes She's I get, intense. sometimes I get, like, intimidated because yeah. I'm like, am I giving you, am I, like, am I recept- reciprocating? Yeah, yeah, am I reciprocating the amount of, like, yeah. everything yeah. that you give because she's so she's just amazing like she's a Virgo too by the way certain people in my life who like I just look at it and I'm like yo you're fucking the shit Jamie's for sure one of them yeah. like she is yeah so we we all did women's wave together um everybody kind of has their own little like field mm-hmm. that they're in like you know 
Um, Ellie does events, Jamie does art, and Jamie's, like, very invested in, like, the Latino community Mm -hmm. and just, like, humanity in general. Um, But, yeah, so we did Women's Wave, and we were able to create this, like, community and connection with, like, all these other women just on all these different topics. Um, And it helped, honestly, it just helped all of us grow in so many ways. I think it was what we needed for where we were. Yeah. And then I think the it started dissipating as like we started kind of coming into our own. Mm-hmm. That's what I think the problem was is we were all coming into our own. We were able to use women's as the platform to like build this up and build this community, but then we became we started getting super invested in like other stuff. Other stuff because women's wave gave us that yeah. like confidence and gave us that like community. It's not over. Women's wave is not over. Eleanor is using it right now as a platform for events, which yeah. is fucking amazing because yeah. then we could still connect in and cultivate the community like within the music yep. scene and within you know, like events and just different stuff. So we're all doing our side stuff, but Women's Wave is still there. Yeah. Um, for Coachella Valley Art Scene, that's something I started being a part of that through Mo Vintage, through a friend of mine when Sarah was doing FYF Fest. She needed people mm. to help with, uh, she does, so it started as like this craft tent where like people could come in who were festival goers and they can make like headbands and like mm-hmm. just different little art pieces. When I came in, it was like, I don't know, like seven years ago. I'm, I'm, I could That's be wrong. Crazy. It was yeah, it was a while it was ago. A while ago and I came in doing FYF. I didn't even I wasn't even doing Coachella at that yeah. point. And then the first year Sarah asked me to do Coachella, I was like, "Yes, I'll do it." And it's funny because I remember looking back and looking at Sarah and Alex and Christina and Ellie and like Robin and fucking just like all these women, Mia, everybody being in awe of them yeah. and being like, "Oh my god, they're so cool." Yeah. And like, oh, like, like I was looking like, up yeah. to them. And like now they're the homegirls. Yeah. And I'm like well, like, not that I don't still look up to them because yeah, I do course. more than ever, probably. Yeah. Because I know them even more. Yeah. And just like the women and the people in general that they've connected me with and just have brought into my life is like such a blessing. And just what Sarah creates every year is just amazing. Like, in every event that she does, she gives so much of herself and so much of her creativity. And she creates opportunity for people yeah. and for like, art in general and just like she does it from a very like genuine place she's not doing it like oh i'm gonna make money off this no No, never ever she's doing it because she fucking loves loves art she She sits there and she does she makes shit like she yeah yeah, and if you ever go to coachella please stop by the coachella valley art tent because uh well it's called the art studio in coachella Mm -hmm. but it's hosted by cvass um but yeah or by scene creative sorry um but it's fucking sick in there like dj's pop in crafts pop in like then you like sit down and you start making something and Mm -hmm. then you just like lose yourself um let's switch gears and talk um a little bit about your relationship with your family um you know you touched on your brother's death so my relationship with my family obviously it's evolved a lot um like i had mentioned before my mom raised me for a good portion and then my nana did as well um and i think a lot of it is in like i've learned over the years you know i was very angsty at points i was like you never gave me enough attention and you know but also too like my mom was trying to raise six kids on her own you know and trying to do what she could with what she had yeah in a very rough like area I've recognized now in being an adult that like she was fucking just trying to to do what she did and I know how much of a struggle it is for me with just one kid I can't imagine what it was with sick like I think you had in your first episode you talked about like um kind of like uh the connection with your mom and how like there's these things that like the older generation 
they weren't taught certain things and taught certain ways. And like, we have the luxury of like Mm -hmm. being more aware about mental health and being more aware about like so many things that maybe our parents weren't. And I think a lot of it was like survival. They were just trying to survive, just trying to get by, just trying to fucking make shit happen for their kids. My relationship with her has grown up until where we are now, which is the best place we've probably ever been. And I think that took equal parts of me understanding where she was coming from Mm -hmm. and me working on myself and Mm -hmm. me taking accountability for the fact that like I wasn't really making it easy on her either and it is what it is you know like you can't you can't really go back and like change that shit all you can do is like focus on making it better in the future I'm a mom now too so I I want to do things differently I I I want to make my daughter aware of the fact that like you know this is how things were but I want us to be kind of different and I and better yeah better and and not saying like it was the the no. fucking all absolute worst it's and putting on this blame now on her. you're more aware and you have more tools to be able mm-hmm. to be a better parent and you should always want better mm-hmm. so my brother passed away last year and that was you know we weren't expecting that with my dad with my dad we weren't expecting it really either but he was sick so for my brother my brother was very very close with my mom mm-hmm. and um for my mom that just kind of took her out mm-hmm. like she she just that's her child you know, regardless her kid, that's her child like. you know yeah and I think for all of us um it it we all dealt with it in so many different ways because we all had different connections with him mm-hmm. and like I, I don't know like I, I want to touch on this to a, an extent but also too like I want to not touch on it too much because I know like my my brothers and sisters they're there that's their their story and yeah you know that's that's their thing but in a nutshell you never really expect to lose a sibling and for me the best connections I had with my brother were when we were children and when we were with our father. Mm. And so that delved up a lot of those repressed emotions for me. And there was also a lot of guilt involved with that for me because of the fact that I wasn't the closest to my brother. My little brother, Ruben, if you know me, you know Ruben because you know that's like my fucking best friend. And he like, I'm talking about him right now and I'm lighting up again because Ruben (laughs) literally like lights me up. Like he's fucking, that's that's my brother. And my (laughs) other brother too, my other brother fucking amazing in in who he was he had a good heart he he just chose a different path and mm-hmm. so in his passing there was a lot of guilt attached with that because we weren't as close so it, it brought up all these these things with my dad yeah. and also too like my family was all grieving in their own ways so mm-hmm. I like uh I couldn't really process it in I think the way that was normal for people I kind of repressed it and I became like what do I do to help this situation? How can I help people? What can I do? What can I do like physically? What can I do mentally? Because I'm not trying to face these things right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to like go, 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 yeah. go. And um, that's that's not the best thing to do no. because it, it later it's came back and it did. It came back and hit me when I was at work. And yeah. that's why I need to take time off. Yeah. So um, my brother's, everything around my brother is just such a, a huge thing. But at the end of the day, he was a father. He was a son. He was our brother. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're ever really ready for like losing someone who you like grew up with, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, that's your blood. Yeah. And like, I, you literally grew up with him. Yeah. He, you, he's your baby brother. And you I know? think about like, you know, before you get into adulthood and shit gets real, mm-hmm. you have these like moments of like 
just like innocence Innocence. and just doing stupid shit, you know? And I think about that, like just those things. And I cling to that. I try to think about that before things got complicated and we became adults and we took our own paths and we had our own differences because those are the memories that like, they mean so much to me. Like we both, we both dealt with losing our, our father. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we had that connection too. And I just mostly like hurt for my mom because you know that's you lose a kid I can't I can't even imagine that so my family's been through a lot this year definitely but it has brought us closer it has made us more aware of the fact that like you can't take shit for For granted granted. you you still have to live your life every day you still have to get up you still have to be a parent yeah life doesn't stop stop. Haley's still gonna Mm -hmm. need her mom and my family's still gonna be there you know you have to take it you have to make the best of it you have to pray you have to fucking believe in yourself you have to take opportunities you have to like love when you have the opportunity love the people around you and just try to be present that's the thing we talk about a lot because yeah. one of that's my problems hard. is i get so busy <laughs> all the time i'd be trying to pack everything in a one day you but then your son is like but you're not present like it's great that at least through this tragedy like you guys have found a way to get closer mm-hmm. and really seize the the time you guys do have together because it's not promised mm-hmm. um and it's made us more i think like more open to each other yeah. To being like, you know what, I might not understand you, I might not even agree with you, but if something happened to you, I don't yeah. know what the fuck I would do, you yeah. know? Like, it, it, when you when you have that happen one time, it makes you realize, like, if that ever happens again, like, yeah. so it makes you, I guess, a little bit more open and more understanding, and that's been great. Like, my little sisters, I don't think I've ever been as close to them as I have in the last, like, year. Yeah. Um, and... My brother, I mean, I've always been closer with Ruben, but um, he, my brother's having a little girl too soon. Like, they're <laughs> having a little girl she's due in September. Um, so, yeah, just, like, you know, we, we're getting these, like, little blessings along with, like, all this stuff that's happening. But it's just yeah. making us able to be more present. And with Haley, as her mom, mm-hmm. um, she's never really had to deal with, like, loss. So mm-hmm. this was her first time. My brother loved Haley so much, and he, like, just gave her so much love, and she mm-hmm. was close with him. For her, like, she's 14. She's dealing with so much shit, you know? Like, and to yeah. throw that in, like, it kind of threw a wrench in, like, just a lot of things in her life and she was already dealing with. When you're 14, like, the world is crazy, yo. Mm-hmm. Like, a 14-year-old girl, think about it. You got this this phone in your hand that's, like, mm-hmm. showing you these these pictures every day of, like, you should be this way. You should look this way. You should be cool. You should have these many followers. I will <laughs> say that your relationship with Haley is just really different than, I think, a lot of mom, mother, and daughter relationships. You guys are, like really have a lot of similarities and are into a lot of the same stuff. Like, you can go to a music festival together or a yeah. concert together. Like, whereas I can do that with my mom. You know what I mean? Like, you guys are into a lot of the same stuff, so I think it makes it, um, like, easier to connect in different ways, whereas, like, you probably didn't connect with your mom in that way. I Definitely didn't, for not, sure. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. She's just a really, like, well-rounded kid. She has a lot of people around her to, to teach her to give her love and then she has a cool mom that's like into like fashion and music and like she's into that stuff too so it's like easy connection and you guys are able to go off and have these experiences where like a lot of mother like moms drive their kids to concerts and like wait or like they just sit there so i think your guys relationship is just really cool that's important though i think too like it really is it is i think it makes her more aware of like herself too like just it gives her a level of like maturity and just like connection with me that's different. Like we got in a huge fight last night and then she came and like we took our break from each other. We both went to our own rooms and then she came in and she was like, 
I'm really sorry. And she was like crying. She's like, I love you. I'm sorry. And I was like, Aww. I'm sorry too. And it's just like shit like that. You know, it just helps us be on a deeper level and yeah. understanding of like, we can be cool with each other, but yeah. then also too, like we know when to like disconnect and then come back. To give so. space. Yeah. Space is important. What's next for you? I don't know. I, I mean, um, Mo Vintage, obviously we, yep. we, we work on shit still and we just like release it kind of not like a big deal. We're just like, yo, we did this and this and this. Yeah. Um, I kind of have a little side project going on. I don't really know what I'm going to do with it yet. It's just, Stay tuned. It's, a, it's an idea. It's there. I've, a few people know about it, but I, and I don't really know what it's going to be yet. So I'm just kind of keeping it under wraps. Yeah. Before we go, I like to ask, um, I guess these two final questions and then okay. we can let us know where to find you. Um, what drives you to do what you do? Love. Yeah. I didn't expect that answer. Yeah. I don't know what I expected though. Yeah. Love. Um, I like, I thrive on like love. Like I said earlier, like at work sometimes I'll just be like, I need a hug. Like, Mm -hmm. like love and people and connection. Yeah. Just fucking love at the end of the day, yo, because it all comes down to that. Like how are you supposed to grow without it? How are you supposed to like exist without it? Because yeah. without it, you, you, what are you? Love well, is like, nurture. What is, yeah. What is, what is Love it is nurture, which helps grow. Yeah. What does success look like to you? Love, again. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Having love in your life? Yeah. Not even, like, love, like, not a romantic no, kind of, like, like, just, like, you look at someone and they just look happy and they yeah. look like they emit love. And, and that's the thing. Like if you're, if you are able to receive blessings and you could be blessings to people, I think mm. we heard this one. Yesenia and I went to, or Haley and I went to church with Yesenia and after yeah, one of the, yes, be a blessing. When, when you receive blessings, you're able to be blessing to other people. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what is success at the end of the day is that you're able to live your life every day in love and emit that to people and be that for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that to me is what it is. Like you could be making X, Y, Z amount of money and not be happy and fucking be dead inside mm-hmm. and not emitting love and not receiving love, then what are you really living for? Yeah. Ooh, girl. <laughs> Damn. We really, really went in it. Yeah, we did. We went into that. We knew. Um, so nope. I just want to thank Erica for being here. We're going to jump into our next segments. But before we get into those next segments, I just want to say I hope that everybody took something positive from Erica's story. You know, she's been through a lot and you know you can look at her instagram feed or whatever to see her um come up to you and and you know make you feel good about you know she'll she'll give you she'll be the first to give you a compliment but just know that she's not somebody who just like popped up and was born into wealth and was born into this shit like she had to work hard and she went through a lot of stuff to get here um this shit ain't luck man this is hard work and this is the universe and signs and and believing in herself and, you know, learning from her parents, what her parents engraved in her, parts of her dad, parts of her mom, parts of her family. Um, and it's it, that's how she got here, you know? And, um, yeah, I, I just hate when people, like we said, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're so lucky. Like, she, this ain't luck, dude. This is not luck. This you is hard work. Struggle. You don't. <laughs> and, you know, this is hard work. And this is, she it took a long time to get here and she just didn't give up especially on her dream being a mom man i'm sure that's hard to be a mom and people want you to give up on your dream and why are you in fashion like because i love this shit you know so i just really hope that people took something from her story i know a lot of people will um and so thank you for being thank here thank you for having me <laughs> this was like we already knew it was gonna be like some deep shit and then it was like some deep shit out deep like, deep shit anyway it's, let's it's jump my free into, therapy session thank you right <laughs> oh my gosh listen let's, let's jump into segment number three uh what 
So during this segment, um, listeners send in questions for our guests. And so we got a few good, a really good questions for Erica. Um, and so let's get into it. So the first question comes from Angel. She says, what would you tell your younger self if you were to meet her as you are today? I would tell my younger self to embrace more time with my siblings, um, to be more present. I think I'd spent a lot of time uh, focusing on just kind of dealing with my father's passing that I wasn't, it was more me oriented Mm -hmm. and I wasn't necessarily able to be the big sister that I needed to be for my little sisters. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even really able to be as close to my brother before Mm -hmm. he passed that I I should have been, you know, those are the things that when you're older, you're going to look back at and like really, truly like hold close to your heart. Like, um, Sharon asks, what is your advice for mothers on motherhood, raising a child and doing, and still doing you? Ooh, that's a good one, Sharon, girl. Um, do you honestly, like, I know a lot of us get very caught up in like the idea of tradition and tradition is important and like, it's more important to others than to some people. Um, I think you should also understand that like your connection with your daughter is, or your, your child for me, it's daughter is going to be your connection. So don't try to base it too much of off of what other people's connections are. That's something that you're creating and cultivating with just you and your child. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely like take other people's advice, but also understand too, that this is something you're creating for the two of you and mm-hmm. not for someone else, mm-hmm. um, to just like do you, I would say like you have to give yourself time to do you and be you because then you're not able to give them the best version of yourself because you're so focused on like, oh, I need to like be this way and act this way because society or my family or whatever, when like you're not really giving them who you truly are. Like Mm -hmm. just like focus on the connection with the two of you. Don't really let the outside influence be too much. The advice you gave me before, you said you gave me this advice before too, was when you're with your child... Fully be with your child. Disconnect. Put your phone away. When you're at work, disconnect from everything else. Like You've been taking my advice. Girl, I, <laughs> I always take your advice. Maybe not right off the bat, but you know what's there. Eleanor asks, how do you channel your intuition? What triggers trust versus skepticism? First of all, that's a very Eleanor question. I know. <laughs> I you her. already knew it was Eleanor when I told you the question. Yeah, she read it to me. I was like, that was Ellie, huh? Like, I knew it. Um, so what triggers my intuition again is like heart, like you feel it, you feel something and you trust it. Like it, I, I am able to recognize what is intuition versus what is like my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like I know when I'm having like a moment and I'm like, bitch, this is your anxiety. And I've talked about this last episode mm-hmm. too. And I was so hyped that he touched on that because mm-hmm. it's fucking important. Like yeah. too many people are not okay with like bringing that to light or they like feel like shamed about it but it's 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 really truly it's important if more of us talk about it then more of us will be understanding of it and if I have an intuitive feeling about something I am pretty damn well like sure enough in myself to be like I know that this is what it is and also too when I feel certain things I'm like this is you being paranoid and this is you being anxious I'm able to like to figure out what that is just from the feeling of like that I get in my heart more so mm-hmm. like one's like kind of uglier like mm-hmm. weird feeling whereas one is like yo I feel this in my stomach I feel this in like my heart I feel this in like just the way my body reacts mm-hmm. um and the trigger of trust versus skepticism mm-hmm. that's hard again like it really is like like there are people who I've met in 
I trust them very quickly. And that's never really steered me wrong too much. Honestly, like it's, it's a feeling I get. It's like with you, like right off bat, we were able to, to just like create a trust. Eleanor, that's another one. Like Amph, I didn't even know Amph that, that well, but right off bat, just like from meeting him and seeing his, like his interactions with Yusenia, I trusted that he had her best intention and her heart in like it just in general. Like I knew I was like, this is someone who wants to be with you and who it's genuine with. Like, you know, you, you just feel these things. There's not really any, I can't be like X, Y, Z. Like this is the list of how I feel. Like, it's just like, now you feel it when you feel it, you know it. Amph asks, what got you into vintage? The struggle. Like, <laughs> honestly. Um, so when I was, when my Nana was raising me, you know, she would always go to the segunda. Um, and I probably said La that wrong. La segunda. Yeah, no, I was like, it, right? See, I can't, I can't speak that great in Spanish, by the way. Um, thank you. See, that's why you my yesy. Um, but yeah, she would take me to thrift stores and shit because, you know, we, and my mom too, six kids, you know, you can't always be out here yeah. shopping, you know, and getting those Osiris D3s was a big deal. <laughs> oh my God. Um, no, but the thrift store. So they would always take us to the thrift store and I used to complain about it. Like, I don't want to go to the thrift store. I hated that shit. I yeah. fucking hated it. But then when I became a, a new mom, I needed to fucking make shit happen. And then I started to really figure out who I was and understand myself. And I got into fashion and I was like, oh, none of these clothes are really doing it for me. Like, this isn't, this, this shit ain't working for me. The, the D3s wasn't hitting like they wasn't. They, was hitting they wasn't hitting anymore. Um, so then, yes, I went back to the thrift store. I would still go with my Nana and I was like, yo, these prints are crazy. These cuts are crazy. These designs are crazy. And I would just find shit that like no one else had and I would find it for like, fucking three dollars and i was like this my place (laughs) i found my place and then yeah this makes sense Mm -hmm. here this makes sense all right those are our questions one of our questions is actually going to lead into our next segment so let's jump into segment number four yo talk that talk so during segment number four we talk about current events whatever's going on we usually talk about music or just whatever and Angel actually asked another question that has to do with um, music. So she asked, what do you think of the new Daniel Caesar album? Okay. <laughs> Daniel Caesar. I, I, okay, I, I'm not saying I hate it. I do actually like very much enjoy this album, but I think Freudian for me was just such a just like everything album. Like I just listen to Freudian and feel so many things. And then also too, Daniel Caesar is one of the artists that like Haley and I share as like, yeah. Yeah. Daniel Caesar and Tyler, like yes. Billie Eilish, like there's certain artists that are like me and Haley. Yeah. That's our shit. Daniel Caesar is one of them. So we waited like forever for this album, and then once it dropped, we were like in my room listening to it, like on Aww. it. That's what I love about it is it's yeah. another means of me connecting with my like my daughter. Yeah. So all right, let's talk about Tyler. Tyler let's talk about Igor. Oh my god, I freaking love Igor. I fucking love it. So. I feel like whatever Tyler does, I'm always just going to be like, that's just dope. Like, because yeah. he does whatever the fuck he wants to do without being like, oh, are they going to like it? Are they not? Yeah. He's just like, I don't give a fuck. This is what I want to do. Yeah. He's great. He yeah. he truly is like the embodiment of a creative. Just, and it never feels like an act. It's like, no. yo, this is like genuinely him yeah, and he's true. dope as fuck. And yeah. also too, like I said before, like it's a means of me connecting with my kid because she is like truly obsessed mm. like I think in that age range like Every, that's just the like they all that. love Tyler yeah. because also too Tyler makes it okay to be like Yourself. who you are and and maybe not be who like 
maybe be kind of weird and yeah. maybe like just okay. just be into different shit and that's okay and like it's funny that you say that because i remember we went to um Kaflana this past time Haley was there mm-hmm. and i remember her saying that like it just it's so cool here like everybody gets to just express themselves and be who they are and i'm like you know her saying that made me take a second and then i remember watching tyler perform that night and just being like, dude, like he's on stage being a hundred percent authentically himself. And that like brought me to tears. Mm-hmm. Cause like, that's like the best thing that anybody could ever do and be is a hundred percent themselves. And like, that's what I would love for everybody. So it was just like such a moment. And like from his, from his mind, all these ideas have been created and all these kids are welcomed and feel so comfortable and feel so good. And they're able to be these these kids that are like outcasts are just different, but they're able to be at this festival with people that are just like yes. them. And that is just it's he's created such a safe space for them. It's just so cool. And he I think he he's very aware of the fact that he does that for kids of that age too because I feel like you can kind of see in some aspects he makes it comfortable for parents too yeah like he's like oh I'm gonna like set this space for like people bringing their kids and shit (laughs) and like they might not want to be all over the festival but they can bring them and they can feel safe like if I wasn't there I would feel 100% safe (laughs) in the fact that my kid was there like I could take her there let her go be there because I feel like security was on point yeah they're on point everything like and and, he takes care of his people exactly and I seen my daughter open up and blossom in a way when she went to see um, Caliucci's with Ellie I remember she was dancing with Ellie up to see Kelly Uchis and I was like yo like she's very (laughs) reserved in a lot of ways she felt comfortable and she was just like this is me and oh my god he's just amazing I could I could go on and on about him do you have a favorite song off off Igor it's the most basic thing ever for me to say but it is earthquake oh my god it's so basic but it fucking makes me feel away okay like I love earthquake too (laughs) so last night I went out and um Ricky and Alex, Anthony's friends, they DJ. One of them played Earthquake. Oh. And, like, I don't know. Like, some people, if you get it, you get it. And, if yeah. you don't, and like, the crowd was like, whatever. And I was like, don't leave. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, I'm at the, not the club, but, like, at a lounge, whatever. And I'm like, like they're playing Earthquake. Is like, Earthquake yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I wish you were there. And like, I, I would have like, been so high. Also, Are We Still Friends is so That's fucking good, good because it sounds like, to me, it sounds like an old, like, Al Green yeah, song yeah. or something. Like, and that is that, totally my that. shit. I'm like... The end of the oh, album, I love how it God. evolves into that sound. I love And I was it. so scared because Flower Boy was... It was just whoosh. too good. I was like, fuck, what the fuck is he going to do after Flower Boy? Yeah. Tr- but Igor, <laughs> other shit. I read this article where people were pissed that Tyler wasn't rapping enough on Igor because they were like, oh... He didn't want to. And, and so what? So what? I noticed that too, but I just... I, I don't know. I don't care. I don't really. I don't know if I care. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't care. care because the I album leaves me fully satiated in every way from what I wanted out of his project, and I'm okay with it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it too. It's a banger. Let's talk about Drake. <laughs> She's been waiting. To talk I'm, about this. I'm like, okay. I was gonna call you after your episode with Amp, and I was gonna text him, but I was like, I'm gonna save it for the podcast. So first of all, y'all had a whole segment. About Drake, about Drake and Chris Brown's video, but you didn't talk about the most important part of all this, which is... What is the most important part? Drake is thick as fuck (laughs) now, okay? The first thing that Erica sent me after she saw the video was, like, a (laughs) screenshot of Drake in the video, and she's like, Drake thick as fuck, and I'm just like... Never forget. I'm just like, you know what? He he really really is. Like, he all around thick, though. Like, he ain't just, like, thick a little somewhere. It's just like... 
very well proportioned mm-hmm. on like you know yeah mm-hmm. oh my god and in the video he is just like being so goofy i love that and so silly you know i like, love a fan a funny man i yes. love a funny man and he looked like he warm he looked like he got like he just he's solid i was like oh, yo man. yo and then he dropped fucking care package and i was like it's over it's over like I was fully ready for fucking hot girl summer, and then he dropped care package. City boys up. Fucking trust issues. Low, like I get lonely. Like how dare you? Like I was out here. I was ready to be out here, and then you throw some fucking feelings and emotions, and then you come out and you wrapping them to me all thick and like city like, boys. Yo, city boys. City boys fucking pulled out the playbook with that one. Like, yo, we lost. Hot girl summer is over. They benched me. Let me just let you know. I am benched. (laughs) I'm officially benched after that move. Like, Um, let's switch gears. And this is more like a serious topic. Um, Let's just touch on. I just wanted to make sure that we touch on the El Paso and Dayton shootings, just because I think that it's really important Um, just to like, like, you know, we're real people and we're going through it. Like, I'm not somebody who's from either of those areas and I don't I can't even imagine what somebody's going through but I just think it's like really a time to kind of start a conversation amongst ourselves and in our community um you know there's not much that we can do in terms of gun laws like but I think it's important for us to start talking within our communities about different things we can do um and I think that society needs to start moving towards um you know changing curriculum in schools where it's like children are being taught emotional intelligence you know taught about mental health um and so that kids aren't growing up and thinking that shooting up schools is okay or normal I think it's it should be more intervention and preventative I mean kids that are like already adults like we I don't know what we can do with that when people are adults and they decide to 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 commit that crime but I think it's really time for us to go back and like check ourselves and see what we're doing presently with an education to see if we can like shift that and and yeah I think it starts within each community I think each city each you know small scale so that we can start to speak up to like you know the people that are running our our cities and running our um, states to like you know change start to to create some change and pivot towards that I don't know it's just I don't think it's just white supremacy or like our president or gun laws I think it's a combination of everything and I think that we I don't know I just think that all kids need to have like a psychologist like a few psychologists or like social workers in in their schools I think like instead of us using money for certain things in our communities like we need to put money towards that but I know I think it also is a conversation that should be had within the family too yeah like and with even in your friend groups Small like scale. you know just yeah. it, and this is something that plays back into am's episode now my episode yeah. um where we're talking about mental health like yeah. just having the conversation yep. and being open to it and not like shaming it because i yeah. feel like there's so many people who deal with all these feelings and emotions and they feel like i can't talk about it people are gonna think i'm crazy or yeah. like you know the, and when you repress feelings and emotions and all these different things you have going on, that's, that's when you when blow up. And yeah. especially if you're feeling it on a level to where it gets to a point, like you feel like you have to go and do some Kill shit somebody? like that. Yeah. That's, that's, and you know, these people might not have that outlet. They might not have people who care enough to have those conversations with mm-hmm. them, but that's where you can be that for yourself and you can be that for the people, around, people you. around you. And it just like, it spreads, you know? Yeah. yeah. I love it. I, you know, we, 
it doesn't feel like we have control over a lot, but I think that we should definitely try to help within our means and within our community and our friends. So I think that that's a great idea. And I'm, you know, just, it's just, I don't know, it sucks. It's like annoying to have to talk about like shootings and for our community, like our um, country to be going through that shit. So it's just stupid. But anyway, that's pretty much all we have to talk about today. I just want to thank Erica again for being here and for sharing her story. Um, And like I said, I really felt like the theme of her story is just resilience and becoming, you know, who you want to be. Um, in the face of tragedy and just a lot of shitty situations, but just picking yourself up and, and, you know, taking the best parts of yourself and thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me come and just like have this free ass therapy session with you. (laughs) I feel like this is just our conversations we have in general with like a microphone. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. And thank you for just like pushing me and believing me and always being like (laughs) real as fuck with me and checking me because some people don't you know, feel comfortable doing that, but you never had a problem with it. Um, and yeah, just thank you everybody who like sent in questions and (laughs) thank you for letting me talk about Drake being thick as fuck. Cause we know that I'm very passionate about this. Tell (laughs) us where we can find you at Mo Vintage. Uh, so Mo Vintage right now is operating purely like on IG. Um, we are doing a photo shoot at the end of this month. Uh, yes, it is going to be a part of it. I'm coming back, baby. (laughs) She's coming back, bitch. She out here. About to just play all the Drake jams. Um, but yeah, so we're doing something this month. And like I said, we're just kind of dropping stuff here and there. Um, for me, you can just find me on Instagram too, at Fleekwood Mac, um, F-L-E-E-K-W-O-O-D underscore. But thank you so much for joining us, Erica. I hope everybody took something positive from your story. And I know for sure people will be like, damn, I like learned something new from you. And I think that's just the best part about having these conversations. But thank you so much for listening. Um, Growth Nostalgia is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google. Make sure you subscribe, you rate, and leave a review. Um, link can be found in the Instagram and you can follow us on Instagram at growth period nostalgia. That's G R O W T H period N O S T A L G I A growth nostalgia. It was recorded today in the I E that's probably why you heard the dogs in the back. Hey, that's BB Lulu and Kiki. Kiki? Just kidding. (laughs) Um, logo was created by Adam Gonzalez intro and outro music by Damar Davis. Thank you so much for listening. Hit me up on IG. Have a good one. Bye.